The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're going to talk about your local drama queen today, (laughs) and that could be you. It could be me. It could be any of us, actually, because... We're all addicted to drama, and we don't know it. You know, we have certain people that we know that we call drama queens, don't we? We There's the people who seem to just live in a state of constant drama, and, and, and we say to ourselves, well, I just can't stand to be around them because they just suck my energy dry, and there's just always some kind of drama, and they're always in it, and they're always talking about it. It's all this emotional, la, 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 and we just don't want to be around it. Okay, uh, those are the extreme cases, and that is very true. However... On another level, we're all addicted to drama. And first we have to talk about addiction, and then we have to talk about what we mean by drama. An addiction is a compulsion. Uh, It is uh, we are obsessed, and then we are compulsed to do something about our our obsession. So an addiction can be to anything. It can be to sex, to drugs, to alcohol, to people, to um, Coca-Colas, to food, to you name it. Uh, we can be addicted to anything. A hoarding is a form of addiction, although it's not. That's not all it is, but that is a it is a form of addiction. So, addiction means that I I get obsessed with something, and then I am compelled to do something about my obsession. And sometimes the compulsion to do something about an obsession is is odd. Um, in other words, I may be obsessed, worrying, worrying, worrying about um, what's going to happen in a certain scenario, and my Compulsion will be to worry as as my way of solving it because there's nothing else I can do. So I'm worrying as an obsession, and I'm also worrying as a compulsion. So um, so by by action, by taking an action on the obsession, I don't necessarily mean that it's a rational action. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm very often quite sure that it's not a rational action. So all right, so that's addiction. What drama is is anything that's unreal. Uh, a drama is a play. We act out a scenario, a fiction, and we, we play a role in it and others play a role in it. And we get emotionally involved in the roles we're playing and the, what they're doing. And we all have this square little space that you could call a stage of our lives in which we uh, live out this drama. And uh, so we, we, we are living in the unreal. So how much of our lives is unreal and how much is real? Well, that's a philosophical question. You know, we could say none of our lives are real, but all of our lives are real, and we could go on that for the next three or four days and never stop talking. But the truth is that we're all living an unreal life. 
because all of us, to some degree or another, are still living in the, what I call the duality trance state. So the duality trance state is that state in which we believe ourselves to be separate from the divine. We believe that we are here, down here on planet Earth, and up there is some higher power who put us down here uh, for some reason. And whether that reason is uh, according to traditional Christianity or according to a Buddhist belief or according to uh, of course, the Buddhists don't believe in a high, God as a higher power, but um, according to one of the other, Hinduism has several gods. Perhaps they might say there's a reason we're down here doing what we're doing. Um, so we have this idea that we're down here and whatever is holy and good and worthy and happy and calm and uh, serene and unworried and doesn't suffer is up there or out there somewhere. Um, and that that lie, that lie is how we live our lives. We live our lives in an as-if drama. We live our lives as if something is true that isn't true. And that's the very definition of drama. And when you, when uh, we go to the movies or we watch a DVD on our, on our TVs, what we're watching is something that emotionally, as we're watching it, feels very real to us. We get emotionally involved. We cry. We get angry. We get scared. We do all kinds of things emotionally as if we're a part of that drama. And in that same exact way, we are emotionally involved in the drama of our lives in an as-if state. It's as if what we believe about our lives is actually true. And so we get emotionally involved in that belief system and we act that out. We obsess about it. We... How am, I, how am I going to make money? How am I going to find that partner I want? How am I going to um, get out of this scenario I've created? How am I going to uh, uh, get somebody to do something I want them to do? How am I going to not get caught doing something I maybe shouldn't be doing? All kinds of dramas that are in our heads, and we're obsessed with those. And then we're acting those dramas out. And the biggest obsession of all that we all are locked into to some degree or another, is that we're separate from the divine. In fact, when somebody tries to tell us that we're not separate from the divine, many of us will react violently to that information. Take it one step further, and if we say, because we are not separate from the divine, we are holy beings, then you get a really violent reaction. (laughs) You get people saying, well, that's just not true. Look around. Hello. Look around. I mean, well, you look around, and what you see is the drama. You look around and you see the drama that we create out of the lie that we are separate from the divine. And so that that is supposed to be evidence that we are uh, not connected to the divine and we are not holy and we are not powerful, all-powerful and omniscient and all those other things that the divine is supposed to be. And therefore, we just can't possibly be connected to the divine. We can't leap tall buildings in a single bound and fly faster than a uh, speeding bullet. And we can't um, make certain things happen that we want to happen. And we can't make evil people stop being evil. And, I mean, and then there's another one. Look at all the evil around. I mean, how could we could say we were holy when we look around? Just, hello. <laughs> so what we use is we use the lie as evidence of the lie. We use the lie to perpetuate the lie. And we don't know we're doing that, and it's very circular reasoning and very circular living 
but we don't know we're doing it. So what else are we going to do? And we're all in varying degrees of that hypnotic state. And because we are, we're living out a drama. So I talk to people all the time who are worried about something. Let's say, um, let's talk about work. They're worried about what work is going to be like um, because they've got to, let's say it's somebody who's, um, who is working on commission. And they've got to make sure that other people do their jobs. You know, they've gone out and they've wooed this client and the, and they've got to make sure that the, the client is uh, happy with the work that's being done. But of course the salesman doesn't do all the work and has to depend on other people to keep up their end of the bargain or else the client might get mad and the client's not going to talk to those other people. They're going to talk to the salesman and may cancel the deal. And so that person may live obsessed with the idea that they've got to get other people to behave according to what the client needs or else they will not have the income they need. That's a tough position to be in, isn't it? And we, when we look at that, we, on the, on the, in the drama view, in the dual, duality trance state view of it, we say, oh my gosh, that's, you just have to keep living that way. You just have to stay on top of this and you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And you gotta go talk to Joe and you gotta go talk to Mary and you gotta make sure they're doing it right. And if you don't, then they're gonna do it wrong. And then if they do it wrong, then I'm not gonna have the income I need to pay for my kids' needs and take care of my family. Here we go, off and running. We've been obsessed. And now we're acting on the obsession. I'm going to see John. I'm going to see Mary. I'm going to go do the thing I have to do because if I don't do that, I'm going to not have enough money. All right. So, so we live that out that drama. Now, there are many people out there who are, would look at me and say, well, of course, of course, they're living on commission. What else are they going to do? They have to do this. And I would say, okay, certainly uh, from this perspective, yeah, that's true. But from another perspective, Something else entirely is true. And that, that perspective might look something like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay. That's a perspective too. And, you know, the Lord, uh, yeah, uh, Charles Fillmore said in his, the metaphysical Bible dictionary says that the word Lord should actually always be translated as I am. So if you take that verse and you say, I am my shepherd. I shall not want. That changes everything entirely. I am divine. And because I am, I shall not want. I am my own shepherd. Now, we can only have that view if we're not living in the duality translator. Some people say, well, we have to get out of ego in order to not have that view. Well, I'm going to talk about ego a little bit right after the break. But for right now, what I want to say is that what we the only thing we have to do is see clearly. The only peace is true vision. Uh, the Dalai Lama said that. He didn't say it just like I said it, but yeah, that's what he said. Uh, and the, the notion, the idea is once we really clearly see who we are and what we're really doing here, then we're at peace. And if we live that out, then we are, we don't have drama in our lives. We're not obsessed, uh, or compelled by the drama in our lives. We are living in the truth of who we are and what we're doing here. And that takes us out of the drama. Now, some people would say, well, that would be pretty boring. You would never have anything going on in your life. and No adventure, no nothing. I would say that is the grandest adventure of all, is to learn who we actually are, to see all the vistas of that, the depths of that, and the heights of that, and the, and the glory of that. 
I've, you know, I've had a few glimmers. Uh, I can't hold on to it any better than any of the rest of us. We, we cannot, are not supposed to hold on to it. As, in fact, it is to come to us as we open and open and open over, over the experience of this, of this drama we're in. I'm going to talk about that in a little while too. But, uh, but the point is that we are supposed to, we are in this drama. We are here living it out. And we could choose to have another vision. We could choose to look at it from the perspective of, uh, okay, here's the real truth. The real truth is that I am my shepherd. I am as a divine being and my shepherd. And I shall not want anything. We'll be back in just a moment to talk some more about that. Stay tuned. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back today talking about the notion of the drama of our lives. And what we said in the first segment was that we are all living out that drama because we're all living in the lie that we are not united with the divine. We are not divine beings. We tell ourselves that we can't possibly be, and that's the lie. And because we are living that lie, we live in the drama of the duality trance state, which we're pretty hypnotized by degree. Uh, depending on how we've processed through uh, lifetime after lifetime. 
So I said uh, that I was going to talk about ego in this um, in this segment, and that's what I'm going to do. We uh, we believe, and a lot of New Age says this, and even a lot of New Thought says this, and even um, some of our even psychological texts use this word as well. The word originated as a psychological word. Ego uh, was invented by uh, Sigmund Freud, and he had the human psyche divided up into ego. Superego and id, and the id was the feral, wild, amoral part of us, and the ego, and the superego was this uh, moralistic overlord, if you will, so to speak, in our minds, and it was telling us, no, 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 you need to not do that bad thing, uh, and defining good for us and defining bad for us, and the ego was sort of the, you know, guy in the middle who was getting jerked around by either side. The feral part wanted it to behave according to the feral part, the wild energy of the amoral self and the other. Superego wanted it, I mean, yeah, superego wanted it to do, to be very moralistic and righteous and good by its definition of good. And that was how Jung had us living out the, uh, our existence. I'm not Jung, excuse me, Freud had us living out our existence. Um, Carl Jung did use the word ego. He used it slightly differently. But I, as time has gone by, as we've transitioned into a greater and greater understanding of what personality is and what self is and what the roles, the masks and costumes we can play are and learning a little bit more about the authentic self, I have redefined the ego. The ego no longer is uh, a part of us that gets yanked in the middle between our wildness and our morality. Nor is it the bad part of us that wants to keep us from having all that we want. That's what we learned about the original understanding of the law of attraction as it came out and became very popular through uh, the works of Esther and Jerry Hicks as well as uh, Rhonda Burns through The Secret, which became extremely popular. Um, what That word ego became like this sort of little devil on your shoulder that was trying to get you to not see clearly uh, that you could have what you wanted if you just followed the substrates of the law of attraction. And, of course, most of you know that I have written a book called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. And the, the in there, it talks about why uh, that old version of the law of attraction is not true and won't work because we've left out really important pieces of information with regard to the soul and with regard to who we actually are. Uh, and that is what we're talking about today. So as to the ego, what I believe the ego is, is a liaison between the external and the internal world. The ego is that gatekeeper that allows us to uh, accept some parts of the external world and not others. It allows us to um, send out some parts of our internal understanding of life to the external world and not others. That's a healthy ego. An unhealthy ego would be one that either is totally overwhelmed by the external world and can't find an identity separate and distinct from the external world, or uh, on the other polarity, that that uh, the poorly defined ego would not be able to um, to see a clear external world because the internal world floods out over it. And this is in the case of hallucinations and delusions. So a healthy ego helps us make the uh, distinction between what's inside of me and what's outside of me and clarifies that for us. And if we don't have that, then we, we will get unhealthy. 
We will not be able to determine what's, what's external and what's internal, and we will not be able to make those distinctions that are vital to our experience here on this planet. So our ego is a very, very important neutral uh, negotiator between the external and the internal world. Uh, so when we hear people saying, and we hear it quite a bit today, that we need to just get rid of that ego, that's a very, very dangerous position to take. And the reason it's dangerous is because what we're telling ourselves is to get rid of the liaison that keeps us sane. We're telling ourselves basically to go crazy, <laughs> to either let other people other people and life's events just flood in over us so we can't sort out for ourselves where we'd like to stand in those life events. Or we can take all the the dream world figures of our internal unconscious psyche and throw it out on the world at a kind of like we throw spaghetti on a wall and it just sticks. And that's what the world looks like to us. And that's very dangerous. So – we need the ego. We need it very much. It's very important. And so anytime I hear anybody casting aspersions on the ego, I have this need to speak up and say, wait a minute now. You can't do that. you got to stop doing that. So the ego is not a bad person. It's not that part of you that is your lower self. That's what so many people say. We have a lower self and a higher self. The lower self is the ego, and the higher self is some spiritual part of you, the, the spirit the you know the soul the whatever uh and that belie- that continues us in the then the dualistic trance state in which we're still split off into different segments i've got this bad ego and this good higher self and they're in a battle it's just as uh cogent and powerful and overwhelming as the battle of the universe between god and satan and his on the leagues on either side so we we have just translated, tr- taken that old archetype of, of the battle between good and evil, the battle between God and Satan, and we've put it inside of ourselves. And that's extremely unhealthy. And I worry, I, I'm very concerned about how that's going in the minds of people who are believing that. So as, as a teacher myself, I'm speaking now to other teachers. If any of you are teachers out there, healers, um, therapists, um, Pastors, ministers, whatever you are, stop telling people to get rid of their ego. That is the worst thing you can tell them. A, because it splits them off further, and B, because when you go to battle against yourself, you lose. All right, so, and people would say, well, it's not really a battle. You need to surrender. Okay, well, now, what are you surrendering to? You surrender into your ego, your higher self. Where, where are you going to surrender? You know, you still got this thing going on. You got this higher self and this lower self, and there's this still this split off. How are you going to surrender? You got a split off. How are you going to surrender? Who? Which one of you is going to surrender? The ego or the higher self? Who? What's what? Where's the surrender going to happen? Say, so, oh well, the ego is supposed to surrender to the higher self and let the higher self take over. Well, okay. What does that mean? That means the ego can't liaison anymore between the external and the internal world. I heard somebody say not long ago that boundaries. We're an illusion that we didn't need to set boundaries between ourselves and other people. And what in the, in, in one way I say, yes, I agree with that because we, uh, we need, we, we, we are all one with everyone. And yet on the other hand, we are cellular structures within the global entity that is the divine self. And just like every other cell, 
we have little sides to us, you know, little boundaries between us and other people. And just like the ego is meant to sort out between the external and the internal, the ego also sorts out between what is mine and what is not mine, what is other people, what belongs to somebody else. So, yes, indeed, we need boundaries and we need an ego. So um, when we when we start um, telling people to get rid of vital aspects of themselves in order to have some higher self, what we're doing is just m- making a bigger split making duality even bigger um, in the name of, you know, what? Having what we want but through the law of attraction or through trying to become some really, really, really surreal um, mountaintop liver who just kind of stays up there in the higher bliss state all the time. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of people saying that we should be always constantly living in bliss. Well, I don't know how we should always be living. I just know that... Uh, that consciousness, awareness of, of of who I am as a divine being makes a big difference when I tell myself the truth. And so when we talk about ego, the, the thing that ego can help us do when it comes to divine self, when we begin to see ourselves as divine self, is that the ego can help us sort out what is duality and what is oneness. What is, okay, so when I... You know, if I talk out of both sides of my mouth, I'm going to say all or everything is one. And then I'm going to turn around and say, yeah, but you've got a higher self and a lower self and we need to keep them separate. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> what, which one of those is really true? If everything is one, then my higher self and my lower self are also one. And so when we, we, we do this double speak, it, it, you know, it's, conf- it's confounding on one level. On another level, we got people out there really listening to those who are teaching that, and they are confusing themselves and struggling desperately sometimes to to get rid of things inside of themselves in order to split off further into this surreal state that's called the higher self. So, all right, so the, that just creates more drama. It does not help us live in the state of peace that lack of drama creates. Uh, now we've got a drama going on within our very selves. We've got to, we've got to work harder and strive harder and do those vision boards more and meditate longer and do all that stuff just so that we can encapsulate that higher self into a little jar, you know, like you capture a, a, a firefly. You know, it's in there and you throw some grass in there and you shut the lid really tight and, you know, a few days it's dead. Okay? And that's what happens to us when we try to contain a higher self in some kind of idea about what that ought to feel like, what that ought to be like. It's just the same as us trying to contain God in a box, you know, trying to define that God is this and not that. And God is only this and it's not that. He, she, it is only this or that. God is only a he, can't be a she. What are you talking about? God is up there in heaven, can't be down here on earth. What are you talking about? God is, uh, God looks this way and acts that way and does these things and not these things. And how do we know? We're not defining God. God defines us. So when we, when we take an idea and try to contain it, we kill it and we lose the mystery of it. And that is the danger in trying to, to, to sort of encapsulate our ideas and visions about what is true and what is false about divine energy itself all right so we've talked a little bit about ego next time we're going to next in the next segment we're going to talk about the journey 
through duality and what that means and how we evolve through it and how we can ultimately stop being the drama queens in our lives. Be back in just a minute. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today about how it is that we're all the drama queens of our lives and how it is that we uh, are living constantly to some degree or another, the drama of duality, the duality trance state. And we talked uh, in the first segment about how that is true. And in the second segment, we talked about ego and how a lot of people are saying, well, if you want to have peace in your life, you have to get rid of that ego. And we said that is definitely not what we need to be doing. So in this segment, I want to talk a little bit about the journey of the duality trance state and what that means. So I said uh, that we are living out roles 
We get up on the stage of our lives and we live out roles. We wear masks and costumes and we play out the roles we've chosen on that stage that we've built to contain our lives. In fact, we're the playwright, the producer, the costume designer, the actor, and the audience. So how can we be all that? Well, we can be all that because there is only oneness and there are all different aspects of ourselves going on all at the same time. So, okay, so here's how it works. Uh, many of you have heard me talk about duality before, so I'm not going to go in depth about what that means, except that to say that at one point in our journey here, early, early, at the point when we were creating ourselves as Elohim, we were creating form for our, for our uh, ethereal bodies, we were creating form. And as we evolved into that form, we uh, dis- were deciding, okay, well now, what, what's the real deal here? If I'm going to be formed, does that make me separate from the divine? And as we were making that decision, we decided that we had to play that out. We had to play that out all the way to its bitter end to find out, uh, actually the sweet end, uh, to find out if we are, uh, actually are separate from the divine, if we are form and the divine is formlessness. Um, so now that form was here, what the journey became was how do we walk into form, fully into form, and still be divine? And that's been the experimentation we've been living out ever since. And so what we've believed is that form is separate from formlessness. Therefore, we as human beings are separate from the divine. And because of that, we've created all manner of suffering and all manner of drama in our lives. And um, and so we live out that drama in this way. So we come into a life. And we are, uh, we are soul now embodied in, in form. And we are looking around as we get here to say, okay, what is this form going to be like? And we're looking around at our environment to, to be mirrors for us. Uh, our environment is supposed to, we're supposed to look at that and see ourselves in our environment. And so we look at mom and dad and they kind of look at us a certain way and they tell us certain things and they, they hope that we'll turn out certain ways and and they project all of their unconscious, unresolved stuff onto us and we receive it. And we look in that mirror and we say, oh, that's who I am this time. Okay. So we begin to live that out and we live it out and we live it out and we live it out. And because we live it out, we get to stay in this family because they let us stay according to how well we measure up to whether or not we're doing what they want us to do. So... If I'm born into a family, for example, who needs me to be the fun maker so that, you know, everything else in the family is so miserable and I go to school and I'm the class clown and I start making jokes all the time and nobody ever sees me as unhappy, then the powers that be in the neighborhood won't ever think I am unhappy even though when I go home I'm being abused or belittled or criticized or and my family is, you know, um, just completely dysfunctional, but I'm laughing all the time, so nobody ever knows. So I'm the secret keeper for the family but because I laugh all the time. And I can play that out all the way till I'm just going to play all the way through my life, which means I'm never going to grow up. I'm not going to take responsibility for anything, most especially my own behaviors and my own thoughts and actions and emotions, etc. And uh, people are going to, you know, I'm going to be have a wake of dead bodies along the way of people who've tried to fix me 
tried to take care of me but exhausted themselves in the process because I'm not going to take care of myself. I just need to have fun. Hey, hey, life's a party, right? So that's the role I'm playing out. Now that's, that's what I've decided to do. So I'm the, I'm the role maker. I've, I've written that play for myself. Uh, my, my family, you know, told me what to write and I wrote it. And I'm the producer because I'm cr- peopling my world with people who will, uh, you know, uh, um, do what I need them to do, which in my case is going to be I'm going to people my world with people who need to take care of me because I look like I need to be taken care of really badly and because I'm just having fun all the time. I'm just a little kid and, you know, people that are really serious are kind of attracted to my fun nature at the first, but they end up having to take care of me. And uh, so I'm. That's how I'm peopling my world and I'm the scene maker because I'm creating the scenes and the dramas that are, uh, that play out of that role. And I'm the costume designer because I'm the one who creates all the, the attire, the metaphorical attire of what it is to be the jokester, the, the Peter Pan, the I won't grow up kind of joke, uh, clown guy. Um, and I'm the actor. I'm playing out that role. I create the size of the stage on which I play because I'm saying to myself, okay, well, here's, you know, this is how far I can go and no further. Um, these are the parameters of my existence and, and, and that's what I tell myself and I live that out. Um, and, and I'm also the audience because I'm watching my life and I'm having a good time and I'm going, hey, man, this is fun. I'm just going to keep having a party and maybe I'll become addicted to drugs because, you know, I need to be high all the time. And maybe I won't. Maybe I didn't inherit that biological gene. But, you know, I'm probably going to be using substances. I'm going to be gambling. I'm going to be having a good time. I'm throwing away money and, you know, you know, throwing away people's lives. And none of that matters because really all I need to do is have fun. That's the role that got assigned to me. I accepted it. And that's what I've got to do. And it's really hard for me to break through free of that role because who wants to stop having people take care of them? And uh, so there's a perk in this role and it keeps perpetuating itself. Okay. So that's what I've done in this lifetime. And so maybe maybe a, several crises will come along that will finally hit me in the head with a two-by-four and I'll wake up and go, oh, my gosh, I guess I better start taking responsibility for myself or I'm really going to be unhappy. And I don't want that because, you know, life's supposed to be a party. So um, – if, you know, if that happens, I might wake up and really look at my life and begin to take some responsibility and begin to find out who I really am and learn more about my authenticity. And as I journey through that, then I die. And then I come back to another life in which I'm, I'm in form again. My soul has been embodied in form. And this time I'm going to look around and see who I am this time. And most probably, according to my theory, I'm going to be some nuanced element of that same role because what I've got to do is finish playing that role out so that I complete that total experiment and then I have learned something about that particular uh, experiment because the journey of duality is all about the experiment that raises this hypothesis form can be separate from formlessness um, and and the idea is that I'm, I'm trying to find out if that's true or false. And ultimately, I'll come to a conclusion. And the conclusion, way down the road maybe, but lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, I get a little increment of what it takes to understand what I, who I actually am as a divine being. And I get a little tiny bit closer to that every lifetime. And maybe one lifetime I'll take in a big portion of it. 
maybe one life I'll take in a smaller portion, but it's bigger than the other times. You know, I don't know how that works, but I do believe we stay on the same path until we get that particular thing and we're done with it, and then we move on to something else. Um, so some people, astrologers, some astrologers say that we go through the signs as we evolve through lifetimes. We hit uh, Aries and then Taurus and then Gemini, and you know we go through those signs and. And that's how we evolve. And I do think that there may be some truth to that as well. Uh, some people say we evolve a little bit on the other side. We get to a life and we learn some things about that life as we do our past life review. And we, and we learn a little bit as we're actually um, out of body, in form. And we get a little bit more information about that, about what needs to happen next. And that's how we make the decision about what we're, what family we're going to fall into when we, when we take the next, on the next incarnation. So, uh, you know, there's a whole lot that goes into this, but the process is not one in which we're trying to undo evil and become good. It's not one in which we have to divide ourselves off from the bad me and become the good me. The lower self and the higher self, it's not, that's not the process. The process is one in which we come to know who we are more and more and more and more each lifetime. And each time that we come here, we absolutely will get what we came here to get. There's no way to fail. Um, as you've heard me say this again and again, if you've been listening to me over time, I'm going to say it again for those of you who haven't. Um, there's a verse in the Bible. Uh, that says, my word will not return to me empty. It's Isaiah 55:11, And there's a lot more that goes with that verse. But what it's basically saying is that if God puts something here on the earth, it is not going to fail. It is not going to return empty. And uh, so when we come here each lifetime, each incarnation, we will absolutely not fail. There is no way to have a failed life. Now, we can look around from the duality trance state, as our drama queen minds wants, want us to do, and say, now, wait a minute, that's just not possible. There's, of course, there's failed lives. I mean, my uncle died as an alcoholic, so, you know, really, how could you say that's a successful life? Well, we have our own version of success, and the soul has another. The soul's version of success is that your uncle got what he came here to get that lifetime, and he'll take that with him into the next one. And then the next time he'll get another thing and he'll take that with him into the next one and the next and the next and the next. And so karma, if we look at karma, that changes the definition of karma as well so that karma is now just the soul's intention to give us what it is that we came here to get. And it will. It will not fail. So instead of karma being, well, you were bad in one life and now you got to be punished in the next uh, or receive that consequence in the next soul's intention that we're not to so we'll be talking more about that right after the break stay tuned for more Are you looking for alternative sources of spiritual development? Listen every week for Exploring the Divine Within with host Patty Scrivens and her guest co-hosts. You'll be inspired to connect with the divine within yourself. We are all loved, and while we seek for it in different ways, the truth is that we are all looking for the same thing and doing the best that we can. When you understand that, you can embrace it. 
Feel a sense of calm and true joy. Tune into Exploring the Divine Within, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on 7th Wave. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Well, we're back for our final segment today to talk about what it is to sort of move out of the drama queen kind of psychic experience of life and into something more peaceful. As I said in the first segment, there's a lot of people who say if we don't have the drama of life, then we won't have, um, you know, we won't have much fun and, and they'll be kind of boring. And, uh, I said that I think there's nothing more powerfully uh, exciting than exploring the mystery of who we actually are. Um, I'm going to come back to that statement in just a second because what I want to say now is that uh, it's really important for us to understand that this journey of duality is happening right uh, exactly like it's supposed to. There is no wrong here. We're, you know, Every person's life is being experienced in the way that it's supposed to be being experienced so that that person will get what he or she came to get. And that's what the real law of attraction is all about. We're attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us closer and closer to awareness of who we are as divine beings lifetime after lifetime. So uh, we, it, there's, there's, there's no wrong going on here. And the dramas we're experiencing are but catalysts for our increased knowledge of who we are. So when, you know, every time we have an experience rather than saying to ourselves, oh, this is a terrible experience and it means that I haven't evolved enough and I should get rid of my lower self more and try to tune into that higher self more. What we could say to ourselves is this is the experience I'm supposed to be having right now. Okay, so let me see where the mysteries are. Let me unfold a little bit more of my my experience to sort of examine it and look at it to see what can I gain from this experience because there is nothing that has ever happened to any of us ever that we cannot gain something from Um, and our suffering is strictly a result of the idea that we are separate from the divine once we get it really get it that we are not 
separate from the divine, we no longer suffer. Now, that's a Buddhist belief as well as it, uh, the Bhagavad Gita says the same thing. And there are places in the Bible that say the same thing if you look at the root language. Um, this is a worldview that, that is a mystical view of life. Um, it does not, uh, it does not talk about good and bad. It does not talk about sin and holiness. It does not talk about, um, trying to strive to get somewhere. It says that basically we can, we can, um, be still to know who we are. And in that stillness comes an awareness. And the awareness is for the intellectual mind, it is a mystery. For the heart, for the body, and certainly for the soul, which already knows it all, it is already known. It is it is a full awareness of a depth of peace, of the real meaning, raw depths of the ocean, life meaning uh, that is filled with joy and peace and harmony and love. And those are words that I'm speaking in English and on the soul level, they... <laughs> They don't even come close to describing what it is that we can experience at the depths of who we are. So while we're trying to find a higher self, we're not going to the depths. We're trying to escape. We're trying to escape. We're trying to get into, go up above the seventh chakra and live outside our bodies. And there's been many books that have been written out there about the out-of-body experience and how blissful that is. And um, There are people who are just sitting around trying to bliss out all the time. Um, and really, that's that's a way of not being present in form, which is what we're supposed to be doing. We're we're supposed to be in form, not formless. We've decided that formlessness is good and form is bad. The body's a bad thing, and we really don't, you know, what we need to do is find some way to be outside of that, so that then we won't be controlled by the body and we won't be being bad people, and we will not really be able to live in that lower experience. Um, and that is just the opposite of what is true. Ultimately, what's going to happen is that we're going to be able to recognize ourselves in the mirror as form and simultaneously as divine beings. That's what Jesus came to show us. That's what the Buddha came to show us. That's what uh, uh, Krishna and uh, several of the other Hindu gods came to show us. Uh, that's what Brahma came to show us. That's, you know, we... we uh, uh, we don't understand the depth, the mystical element of all of these religions are saying the same exact thing. That we are divine beings and we just have forgotten that. We don't know it. Um, we're afraid to say it. And I'm saying it. I'm saying it out loud. I'm not saying that I am by myself only the only one that's a divine being. I'm saying we are all divine beings. We all have the same energy. We are all made up of the same divine energy my body is divine my mind is divine my soul is divine my heart is divine and so is yours but we don't know it and that that piece is the hard part that's the part where being still helps us to know that's where why why that verse is so important be still to know that i am god and the way i translate that is i've got to be still to know that i'm god (laughs) <laughs> so um, in that stillness, I stop striving. I stop trying to divide myself in half so that I can get somewhere that I'm supposed to be in order to be connected to the divine. There's no place else to be. I'm just here. And, and in that being here, I am a divine being. So being still allows me to just 
feel that mysterious experience of the mystical experience of divine energy that I am. And there, the words are hard to wrap around that experience. I mean, many of you have had uh, sacred experiences while meditating or by walking or while talking or, you know, while driving or something else where you knew, you just knew. And then it left because you can't grab hold of it. It's like trying to grab hold of a butterfly. You just can't. It's elusive. You can't grab hold of it. Especially you can't grab hold of it with the intellect or with logos, the word. Oh, the word wants to frame things in a tight little box. You know, when we say the word love, we th- automatically we start assuming all kinds of shoulds. You know, love is love means I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z. And if I'm a loving person, I do X, Y, and Z. No, 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 no. That verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, is not describing what we should be doing. It's describing the way we are loved as divine. We are that the divine self loves even the parts of us that we think are split off from the divine. And that so there is no real split off. And that love is already ours. And it isn't um, it, it, it. So we're our job is to receive as we be still. We receive as we cease striving. We receive who we are. And all the information and knowledge that comes with that. And so that receiving is our job. We're not supposed to go get. We're supposed to receive. And as we receive, it radiates outward. Um, so the process is not one in which we try really hard to do the right thing so that we can become what we need to become and, and be better people and improve ourselves and, and live in that higher self and get rid of that ego. That's a lot of work and most of it's impossible. Um, and, and, and the truth is we don't have to do it, any of it, none of it. Um, so does that mean we sit around and contemplate our belly buttons? No. It means we live in the energy of effortless effort. Effortless effort is uh, described in Buddha te- Buddhist texts. It's described in some of the sutras. It's described in some of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, and it's also described by Jesus who says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Um, and what he's basically saying there is, there is a doer inside me that does it for me. There is, I, I don't have, the, the part of the, the dualistic mindset can do nothing. It can't accomplish a thing. There's, you can strive all you want, but you've done a lot of nothing. Uh, so what it's saying is twofold. On the one hand, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Uh, so that means uh, there is another initiator inside of me. On the other hand, it means that everything I do that is of my own initiative is no, amounts to nothing. So we accomplish nothing by doing that. Um, we, we may learn, we may experience that nothingness and gain something from that experience, but the truth of living is reception, not, not striving. So we receive from the, the wholeness, which is another word for holiness, that we are. We receive from that. We take in that. We, we accept the energy of who we are. And then it radiates through us. And, from that, we can do everything else that we do. That's what is meant by effortless effort. And so I, I hear people all the time advising people, and I see it on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere, advising people, here, go do this and this and this, and then you'll be happy. You know? And do this and this and this, and then you'll be happy. And if you only think this way, then you'll be happy. And keep those thoughts positive, and then you'll be happy. Well, all of that is striving. We need to be still to know who we are. And there is no greater happiness than knowing who we are. 
um, we're we're sometimes those roles, those masks and costumes, that stage that we've built, the dramas of our lives, they're just ways of proving that we exist. But really, we exist as divine energy all the time, and that's all we need to know. Okay, so that's what I got for today. Next week, we're going to be talking about the enlightenment trap, what that is, and how to avoid it. So you don't want to miss that. That's going to be an interesting uh, twist of reality there, too. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work in reducing premature births. Almost half a million babies are born too soon in the United States. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and life-saving programs to help moms in our communities have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us during Prematurity Awareness Month in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Have you discovered and awakened the natural power of your sexual energy? Imagine a world in which every woman...